even something that is so unavoidably permanent in our lives, in our human experience on this earth, it is still shocking and it is rattling to us in both both physically and emotionally, but also spiritually. It can really rattle us. It It can challenge one's faith. Especially these sudden ones, you know. It's a lot easier to prepare for when an elderly parent dies after a long and happy old age in their 90s. That it's, it's never easy to bury a loved one. But seeing someone live a full, generous, virtuous life into their 90s and burying them is a lot easier than someone who's middle-aged or a young child. Um, So there's no, you know, fun way to begin our our conversation today. Um, but it, being being a parish podcast, I think it's important that we do talk about things that have been going on in the parish and how those, you know, how parish life does really influence our our whole life and and being. And um, I'm sure many of you listening, especially those that aren't parishioners, but you're an extended parishioner, St. Edward, if you listen to our podcast. Um, we, the, in the last month, six weeks, we've had three very sad major deaths. Um, all three young men, all three, coincidentally, major heart attacks. Um, all three fathers um, that were just taken from, from our midst way too young. And I think we need, in this Easter season... We need to acknowledge that grief is, is it's awful, it sucks, um, but also to be reminded of the resurrection. We are not made for this world, that baptism is the beginning of preparing us for the world to come and eternal life in heaven, and that we are called to spend the little time relative to eternity that we have on this planet preparing for the next life, because we don't know when that day will come, when the Lord is going to call us home. And um, we need to be prepared for it, but we also need to keep our eyes fixed on the resurrection so that not only are we living our life in a virtuous way that will gain us eternal life, but that we're also living our life um, focused on the resurrection. And when death and suffering comes our way, we're reminded and we know those things so that we don't get too caught up in the grief and the doubt and the wondering what's, what is next, but that we are firm in our faith and hope and love, as if we just spent, we just spent a whole bunch of podcasts talking about those virtues, um, and that we keep our eyes, eyes on the prize. Death and taxes. And today's tax day, isn't it? Uh, or yesterday? Why? <laughs> isn't this podcast sad enough? Yeah, that's true. We don't have to talk about taxes. Bring in taxes. <laughs> We're talking about the two guarantees: death and taxes. But but it is but it is even something that is so unavoidably permanent yeah. in our lives, in our human experience on this earth. It is still shocking, and it is rattling to us in both, both physically and emotionally, but also spiritually. It can yes. really rattle us. It can, it can challenge one's faith. Especially these sudden ones. You know, it's a lot easier mm-hmm. to prepare 
for when an elderly parent dies after a long and happy old age in their 90s. That it's, it's never easy to bury a loved one, but seeing someone live a full, generous, virtuous life into their 90s and burying them is a lot easier than someone who's middle-aged or a young child um, that just had health issues or was caught in an accident or whatever. I mean, it's um, the sudden ones. You know, death is never convenient. Um, but the sudden ones, that's, that's where our faith really can be tested. Yeah. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about. We are here on our podcast, Ed Talks. This is where we hope to inspire saints who inspire saints to build the kingdom of God. Amen. I'm Alleluia. Father Dominic. Paul Eric. And Alleluia. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have to stay focused on that resurrection. Amen. Alleluia. Yeah, it's, it's wild that it happened so close together here. And I'm sure, you know, people always say, right, it comes in threes. And yeah. Whether or not, so I hope this is the end now for a while. Right. Whether or not that's true, uh, it certainly feels true yeah. a lot of times. And I'm sure even if you're not a member of this parish, um, you have experienced hmm. sudden death from someone who seems to be taken from our earthly vantage point far too soon. Right, And so it's important, I think, to unpack this because you've got to be prepared for it. Because if it hasn't happened to you, you're lucky. Very. Um, but it, it will, undoubtedly. It will unless Absolutely. you are, are locked away in some island by yourself, you're going to be impacted by a sudden, unforeseen death of someone who seems, to all of our earthly perspective, healthy too soon. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, like a thief in the night, right? Right. The, the lies and the temptations that, that come first, right? Mm. So I think the first lie that's easy to get caught up in is that this is some, in some way a punishment from God. Right. That um, I've lived a sinful life, I've lived a spiritually immature life, that I've committed, or they, because again, we're, this is after we, someone that has died that we love, that they, you know, they did whatever, and now God is somehow punishing our family because the God, God killed mom or dad or my kid or whoever. Um, and that's I'm calling it a lie because that's exactly what it is. It's a lie. That's that's not how God works because God is love, and that. That ex- explanation of why this person you loved died is not how you would describe a loving father, right? Um, uh, health and uh, nature and all these things are, have, have the same consequences of original sin that our humanity does. So natural disasters are another product of original sin. Our bodies not being perfect is a consequence of original sin, right? Um, In heaven, we'll have um, glorified bodies, which is why we'll hear at some point in the Easter season, Mary Magdalene not recognizing Jesus after the resurrection because he looks different. She thinks he's the gardener. He looks different because he has a glorified body. His body is now perfect, where we are not yet, right? And so those imperfect bodies bring with it disease and cancer and being overweight and (laughs) and having to watch calories and work out. 
where thank God there's no export in heaven because it's not <laughs> necessary. Um, yeah, and it's not just it's not just Mary. Repeatedly we see it in the in the in the scriptures with Mary Magdalene. Yes, we see it with the disciples. Right, they're they're in the the boat, him he's on the boat. Who's yeah. that on the? And it wasn't even until he starts he's roasting fish yeah. and then breaks the bread, and that's how the the road to Emmaus. The disciples mm-hmm. walked with him. All they the don't way. recognize and they him. They don't recognize him until, you know, but wasn't one of your, your hearts on fire when he was opening up the scriptures for us. So there's something, there is something different about a glorified body that mm-hmm. is promised to every one of us. And this is one of, one of the things that, not to get off tr- topic of what you were talking about, mm-hmm. the, the lie, but there's something to keep in mind that death is not a taking away from us. It is... Potentially, assuming that we've lived a life, we die in the state of grace, we die asking to be with God, because God never imposes his presence on us. Yes. He never imposes his, his fellowship, his community with us, on us. He asks, do you want this? Do you want to be with me for eternity? Mm-hmm. And so we've got to prepare ourselves for that question at the end to say... To make sure we'll say yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> this is what I've waited my whole life for that question. It's what I've worked for yeah. and what I want and yearn for more than anything. I want to, I've, I'm, te- I'm terribly sorry for the wrongs that I've done, and I want to spend eternity with you in heaven. And that's, that's what we're all going to be faced with, that question. Yes. Um, we're, we're... And with that, I mean, that's, that's another lie, right? That death is the end. You know, like, I'm never going to see my loved one again, mm. and we get on earth, and so we get caught up in the next lie that there is no afterlife, that there's, there is no heaven, there's no hell, it just ends. Um, Again, another lie. <laughs> my, um, my favorite Eucharistic prayer during a funeral mass um, is the, the preface is, is one of the many different parts of the Eucharistic prayer that the priest prays. Um, that's the part that the Lord be with you and with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. Then there's a long prayer after that before we sing the Holy, Holy, Holy. That's called the preface. And the first preface of the different options for um, funeral masses it talks about how um, death is not an end but a beginning of eternal life so it's and it, it focuses on a transition from this world to the next and I I exclusively only use that preface when I celebrate funeral masses because it helps to, to counteract the lie that you know oh you know, we had a great time here on earth for however long or short we were here. Um, but now this is just the end of it. And no, it's not the end. It's, this is the beginning of eternity, hopefully, with God forever in heaven. No one's ready. You know, you're never ready. And because we yearn for the permanence, we're made for permanence. Mm-hmm. It's written on our hearts and our souls to get beyond this temporal moment-to-moment existence where things are breaking down both physically and metaphysically. Our relationships break down. You know, we injure each other through sin. All of this stuff that's present here on earth that is not what we're made for. And it's so obvious to us that we want something more. God's written in our soul. It's it's why Augustine, right? My heart is restless, Lord, until it rests in you. And there's no better resting place in God than in heaven, in his presence. The beatific vision, possessing that, is just... It's an unfathomable eye is not seen, ear is not heard, mm-hmm. right? It's beautiful to think about what's coming, what's promised to us if we want it, right? If we reach out for it, if we accept the, uh, the invitation. Yeah. And so, yeah, so the law, I mean, there's, there's two eyes, right? Death is not, there's, there's nothing that we could have done differently, right? Like, it's, it's the, the terrible 
tragedy, especially when people take their own lives, right? Oh, yeah. And it's so hard on people because they say, what could I have done differently? A million things. Mm-hmm. A gazillion things. But it did it, not anymore. It's happened. And yeah. it's, it is hard. But we always are, are, you know, we're pulled into this. What could I have done as if we have some sort of power? Over someone else. Over death and life. Right. Yeah. Right? I mean, so even in the case of suicide that you mentioned, it's, it's their choice. And so you, you, you shouldn't play that game ever of what I, could I have done. Like, right. to stay in the past is just another tactic of the evil one to mm-hmm. not have you focused on hope of what's to come. But in the case of suicide, you, can, you just can't play that game of if I had called them more, if I had stopped by the house more, mm-hmm. if I... Whatever, like if I, if I, if I, they made a very tragic choice. Right. Um, and their state of mind, unfortunately, led them to that choice. And so we can't, we can't put that on ourselves. Nope. Um, can't put any of these no. deaths on ourselves, no, we right? Because it's not that we yeah. do not. What if I force them to walk more often or go to right. the gym with me or eat, right. eat healthier? Then... And it's, it's a temptation though, right? It's yeah, a it tremendous And it's thing. another lie. And exactly. It's that lie of it's, it's your fault. It's the, the person who died is being punished for some ill that he or she did or the person would still be alive if something that you are... My, my, my brother, my spouse, his mm-hmm. children, his parents, if we had just done things differently, he would still be alive. She would still be alive. It is all of those that... things will never bring that person back right. to earth. And that's, that's the biggest end. Like, even if there's some validity to some of these things, like, okay, maybe, maybe I could... Fine. In the future, do things differently with the people who are still here, right? That's mm-hmm. because to sit there, like you said, dwelling on the past and things that can't change will never bring that person back. And it will never bring you peace either. It will just no. eat away at your soul. And uh, that's what the devil wants. Yeah, that's right, because there's no hope in playing those games. And the virtue of hope is one that we always have to, have to stay focused on. Yeah, there's so, and there's so many beautiful scriptural passages that talk about death, both even before Christ mm-hmm. and after. Of course, you know, it's, it's okay. It's okay to mourn. It's okay to be... There's another thing, right? Another lie is that, you know, well, because we're Christians, we're not allowed to mourn. We don't just sit there and be like, well, he's dead, she's dead, so they're definitely in heaven now, and that's great. It's like, it's okay to mourn. Yes. Like, it's okay to and mourn. And pray for them. And it's very important to pray for them. Because we don't know where they are. Oh, my goodness. Dear listener. There's few where we can be a little sure. Yeah. But many, we don't know. Yeah, the church is never, doesn't have a list of people that are in hell. No. But the church has a big list of people and an ever-growing list of people we know are in heaven. So that's the good thing. The yes. good news is that it's possible. We don't know. But please, if, if I ever kick the bucket, when I do, because it's going to happen. have lots of masses said for you. Please pray for me. Please pray for me, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to be trying to yeah, get we don't know. that low. And that's how we offer masses for the dead. This mm. is why we, we pray for the dead in a special way during the month of November. That's why there's many prayers to get people out of purgatory. I mean, so, I mean visit, visit, visit cemeteries. cemeteries and go pray for the dead. I mean, this is why we have these part of our tradition forever. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, with the first martyrs, they were praying over their tombs. In hopes that they would rise like Christ. I mean, and these are martyrs, and now we understand a martyr pretty much automatically goes to heaven, but they didn't, they hadn't yet discerned those truths yet. Um, so they were praying literally on top of their bodies on their sarcophaguses in hopes that they'd pray them into heaven. So, so here's some, some lies we've talked about so far. It's not a punishment, death is not a punishment for individual faults of the person who dies. Mm-hmm. 
death is it's, it's a universal punishment of humanity for original sin. We all are going to die. We're all um, going to die. The individual way in which we are called out of this life is not due to the way that we live. Um, or at least not the moral way that we live. Number two, um, it's not something that you, don't, you cannot dwell on wanting to change what you did or didn't do in hopes that somehow it would prevent it or it would have it'll bring this person but the person is gone number three don't forget about this person pray for yes. this person pray 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 and it that's cathartic too yes it is it's cathartic to mourn don't be afraid to mourn don't be afraid to pray for these people and the bible's clear on that right time to rejoice time to mourn amen ecclesiastes chapter three um but then Ultimately, though, like we started with, this is the season of, of Easter. It's the season when we remember the resurrection. Amen. And St. Paul, 1st letter of Corinthians, death, where is thy sting? Right? Mm-hmm. That, because it was, without Christ, without that. Oh, yeah, death was, there, there was nothing. Yeah. That's why it's a good Friday. Because on that Friday, the gates of heaven were opened, and the souls of the just can enter their eternal reward. It's a powerful and challenging message, but it's ultimately a liberating one, right? It's absolutely. We have to, yeah, to keep that focus on it, because if we, if the cross were the end of the story and everything ended on Good Friday, and we didn't have Saturday and Easter Sunday, then Jesus is no different from any other great political religious leader. If he was just a guy who said a lot of nice things and they killed him for saying those nice things so he had an unjust death and he stayed dead. He is no more different than any other great human leader that tried to help out people that were persecuted or marginalized or set out from society. And you don't worship... I mean, Dr. King, wonderful man, did a lot of great things. Um... Yeah, all the all great leaders. Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln Gandhi. Well, I think that's debated now, but um, for the most part, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, even you know, your religious sister, did a lot of nice things. But we don't worship any of them. There's no churches to Dr. King or to Abraham Lincoln. Um, there, there's no it's temples very... built to these great leaders throughout history. Right. Um, They'd be embarrassed if there was. They would be. But Jesus is not just a nice guy that did a lot of nice things. He is God. And how do we know that? He rose from the dead. And, and it's so cool too, right? He le- yeah. He, the tomb is empty. And Good Friday is not the last day. Easter Sunday is the end of that story. That we use in Christ is, of course, the light of the world. He is the light by which the rest of the world makes sense. Otherwise, it is dark. Yes. It's a very dark place without Christ and without the Amen. light of the resurrection. And we can't ever, ever lose sight of it, even in the depths of legitimate mourning. And, and, yes. the Bible, and we do mourn. Right? Catholics mourn all the time. We cry. We weep. It's awful when people die, regardless of their age and the circumstances of their death. Whatever it is, that 90-year-old parent who lived a generous and virtuous life it's still sad to, to, lose, to lose that person. Christ himself wept at the tomb of Lazarus. Yes, he did. That, uh, yes. Yeah. Christ himself wept. It is not a shameful thing to mourn the loss of a loved one. It is a 
danger, though, which the devil will use to try to get you to lose yourself in that morning, to become obsessed and lost in this morning, to define yourself strictly in your relationship to this other human being, when our, our definition is not a relationship to each other nearly as much as it's our relationship to God, our Father. Right? That's how we are defined. And it is always a sad thing to have an earthly parting. Yes. So weep, mourn. Yeah, absolutely. Don't blame yourself. Just pray for the dead, pray for each other, comfort each other. And, and I mean, that's the beautiful yeah. thing about, like, going back to St. Ed's, right? In the midst of this tragedy, to see the community here in our parish absolutely rise up without being, you know, asked, without being prodded, just immediately saying, these families are hurting. I will be with them. I will be there for them. I will yeah. mourn with, for them. I will mourn with them. I will pray with them for the, the lost loved one. That's what it means to be a Catholic. Amen. And yeah, that's and that, so proud, proud father moment, as any good parent brags about their children. So spiritual father. I, to, to your point there, our, our people, and I'm not surprised by this at all, but they stepped up. Mm. Um, you know, all three of these deaths were three men that were involved in various aspects of our community life and touched on different smaller communities within our larger community, and everyone stepped up and, and, did, and did their part from meeting the bereaved at their homes to help clean their homes and cook dinner for them, to dropping off meals, to walking. I know one family, their different community members have been meeting up and going for walks around the neighborhood just to make get the spouse out of the house. and To fly um, home children? Fly, yeah, to fly states. kids from other states home. I mean, people have really, um, really stepped up. And that's, that's what a community of faith is all about. Um, and for anyone that you may know that one of their issues with religion is organized religions and institutionalized religions, you know, this is one of the, the things to throw, not throw at them, but to counter in their argument that um, we can't speak for all religions, but the Lord Jesus set up the one holy catholic apostolic church in the way that he did because he knew because he's god and he knows all good things and it's the source of truth truth beauty and goodness um and it's within the community the great healing is brought right i mean this is why we don't just sit at home and read our bibles and pray with just the people in the house that we need the community we need the entire body of christ working together and this is where we see saint paul and and we are many parts, but one body. I mean, we, we wouldn't look at the family that offered to clean the per, this family's house as if they're more important or better than the 10 families that cooked food and delivered it, right? It's, those are two different skills and two different ways of giving. And we need, the Fat family needed both of them. Right. And in, in our parish family, we have all these people that do all these different things and it all comes together to ultimately worship God and help all of us become more like Jesus. So it's, it's a beautiful thing we got going here at St. Ed's, and obviously the Holy Spirit is, is plenty at work. And it's not anything I did. It's not anything you've done since no. you started working here. It's, no. It has just been part of this parish community for the last 120-plus years, and it's been growing and forming, and that's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and, and the, the sense... We talked about praying for the dead. 
But the funeral mass is such a central mm. part of that. And bef- before that, now, Grant, these are three, what we're talking about here are sudden deaths mm. where an anointing of the sick is impossible. We've talked about anointing the sick before. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do know someone who is approaching, as soon as that end is even remotely in sight, call, call us. Call. 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 We have a healing mass every first Friday of the month where we do anointing of the sick. Come to that Mass. Bring them. <laughs> if you're about to have surgery, come to Mass. We go, we'll anoint you after Mass. Yeah, please, please, don't call me when Grandma's three breaths away from meeting Jesus because I may not be able to get there within those three breaths. Right. Call us immediately. The sacrament doesn't expire. Um, she, she'll be fine. Yeah. Or he or whoever. Yeah, I didn't so, mean to cut you off. No, that's, yeah. so, so there's that on the, on, on the side of death before death separates us here in, this, in, in our earthly life. But then once death does occur, make, make a plan, have a plan in place to have a mass, a funeral mass set. Because this is, this is the central point. Because I was talking to one of um, our, our, one of our parishioners, and she leads the bereavement committee here. Mm. And she's talking about how much comfort the mass. This is where ritual plays such an enormous role. Because we're so emotionally scattered and heartbroken and devastated but yet we can all latch on to the words that are just part of the rhythm of our worship of God, right? The fact that the Mass works the same way, whether it's a funeral or a daily Mass or a Sunday Mass, we, we need that, that cathartic moment of just saying these prayers. We don't have to make it up. We don't have to find the words. It's not hard for us. All we have to do is, is let go and just enter into that liturgical rhythm of the church that has been consistent for 2,000 years. In my humble opinion, the funeral rites of the church are the most beautiful of all of our rites. And that includes a triduum that we just went through, and as beautiful as that is, the funeral prayers, the rites of praying over the body at the vigil, at the vigil of the deceased, the wake, the actual funeral mass itself, the prayers of committal at the cemetery... All, all of that, in my opinion, that's the most beautiful stuff that we have. And, so, and, it's um, all, and similar to the Triduum, it's, that's all one liturgy. So mm-hmm. when you start with the vigil uh, at the wake, um, and then that, that liturgy carries into the funeral mass. Mm-hmm. If you notice at a funeral mass, we don't start with the sign of the cross, because mm-hmm. you have the sign of the cross at the vigil. And then we don't end with a blessing at a funeral mass either. The blessing doesn't come until the committal service at the cemetery. That's cool. I never so it's all one big liturgy, much like the Triduum. That's awesome. I never realized that. But that's, then that goes in, have a place to lay this person to rest in sacred ground so that we know that we can go to that. Like just the other day, we were driving, my family was driving through Cleveland on a way back home to Chicago from Virginia. My grandma's laid to rest there. Mm. We went to her cemetery. Nice. Went to her grave. My daughters and I, we went there. We knelt down. We said some prayers. We kissed the headstone. Nice. We said some prayers uh, for both her and my grandfather and asked them to pray for us if they're already in heaven. Say, Beautiful. hey, if you're there already, we need your help. And if Send you're not it. there yet, we're praying that um, your, your, your path is greased a little bit by our visit here. <laughs> and uh, so, so yes. cemetery, find a yes. cemetery, find a place to inter your family where it will be known where to go because we're humans. You, scattering grandma to the to the four winds might sound nice, but no one will ever know. And in and in five ten years, 
Where are you going to go to pray for that person? It's Where's true. her name? Where's, where's your grandfather's name? So there's wisdom in the church's requests to find a place where these people can be laid to rest. It's, it's befitting of the nobility of a creature that was made in the image and likeness. It was a temple of the Holy Spirit. God, yeah, it was. So those, are, those would be the three things to do. Make sure that you, you set it up where you have a priest there to start mm-hmm. at the wake or the vigil, have a funeral mass, have a burial, and do it. it it's all so cathartic. The and church if, knows. And the more you can prepare spiritually and physically, the better. Because especially for those sudden deaths where, and you know, these were three young men who didn't have uh, burial right. plots yet. And of course. so they're, you know, that, that's just a lot on the family to now figure out in the midst of so much grief of losing them so young. Now, where. Where will we get buried? Where, you know, now I got to figure all this stuff out, and it just adds to the stress. So look into it. Don't, don't save the stress for those terrible days. And reach out to us here. We, we, have, we have the resources and people to send you in the right direction. We can help you figure out how to plan for those things for the future. Hallelujah. Christos and Esti. Ali Tosanesti. Oh, he did it, guys. He I got it. it. Not all the toast. He did it. <laughs> and then by now, actually, the Greeks are saying it too. I know. This is, this is his resurrection. They're in their active. They are indeed in their active. Well, friends, this is our Ed Talks podcast where we hope to inspire saints who will inspire saints to build the kingdom of God. Amen. See you next week. Hallelujah. I've got Crocs on. My